Welcome to this week's episode where I am so excited to welcome one of my favorite accounts on social media. Her name is Diana Martins and she is a certified sleep consultant on Instagram as we sleep underscore Diana. And we're talking all about infant and child sleep and cultural barriers. Thank you so much for joining me today, Diana. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Mona. I am so honored, so happy to talk about this topic with you. And hello to all your lovely listeners. Well, I'm so happy that we connected on social media, Instagram, and that you're on here today. But tell me a little bit more about yourself and why you became a sleep consultant. Yeah, so I'm based here in Toronto in Ontario, Canada. I became a sleep consultant because it was a transformation. It wasn't just a change that I experienced when, you know, I started to get rest with my son, but it was a true transformation um, when my son, who didn't sleep longer than two hours at a time, and then all of a sudden, my goodness, the first night of sleep training, he slept for 12. So you can imagine, I thought this was magic. Yeah. Before this happened, I never heard of sleep training. It wasn't done in my family. Sleep wasn't really talked about. Um, nor did I know you could hire a person, a whole person to help guide you throughout this. So now, Mona, this is what I do all day, every day. And I'm so passionate because I know how it can change your life. Oh, and I love that. And, you know, when we connected and we were coming up with topics, we chose to talk about infant child sleep and cultural barriers, cultural insecurities, all the things that our culture and our upbringing can bring into how we approach parenting. And of course, sleep is part of our parenting philosophy. So why is this topic in particular so important to you? I think it's important because for me personally, it was a huge barrier. I was the first of the first. My son mm-hmm. was the first of the first. We never did this before. So I feel like if, you know, going to my mother-in-law, going to my mom, like, how do I get this kid to sleep? If they had said, like, oh, do this, 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 like they had done this to us before or something like that, if they could offer me more science-based advice, I wouldn't have struggled the way I did. Um, so when I'm coaching parents, I need to know everything. I need Mm -hmm. to know what they're really up against. And that is how I can help them. Because when there's a cultural stigma or a taboo, it's just another hurdle to accomplishing something that's already hard. Right. And it's not just about getting through the crying. That's not what it's about. Everyone needs to understand why we're doing this and what the benefit is and how we can still honor our roots and honor our traditions, but still achieve um, healthy sleep for our child. So it is important. It's just another barrier that people can face. And that's why I'm so passionate about it and addressing it. Oh, that is absolutely true. And what ethnicity are you? Oh, so this is an issue. I am Indo-Caribbean Canadian. Wow, yes. Yeah, Yeah, so my parents are Guyanese, obviously from the Indian diaspora. My husband Mm -hmm. is, um, they're Goan from India, but, you know, Goan has another Portuguese element to it. So, yeah, we're... Our kids are going easy. <laughs> yeah. describe it. <laughs> well, I think the reason why I think this is such an important conversation is it's not even just about 
culture, like meaning ethnic culture, right? We talk about just philosophy in general. Like you mentioned, like your mom or the aunties, like they maybe never did this um, this way, right? They didn't know what we know now about sleep and wake windows and everything that we know about, you know, in terms of sleep for infants and children. So of course, it's not like what they did was bad or what they obviously we turned out fine, but it's now that we know more. And sometimes it can be that cultural generational clash, if you will. Like I know, even if you're not quote unquote, ethnic, um, you know, if you want to use that word, this episode is going to be so useful because you could have this clash from your generational differences. So, um, you know, how to, how to tell your parents like, Hey, this is something that's working and that we want to do, or, you know, this is why it's really helpful. And we'll talk about that. Um, I guess you mentioned perfectly, like you always want to get to know your clients and talk about, you know, where they're coming from. So when approaching sleep with a newborn and beyond, what questions do you think parents should be asking themselves? So um, some questions is that they need to get clear on their why. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to understand that sleep is a very holistic element. They need to understand also that it's not just them that's caring for the child. Everyone in the family um, needs to be on board. I think that they should also weigh the pros and cons. Because again, it's not an easy thing to do. If it was easy, everyone would do it, right? Um you know, what is really important to them in their parenting? Do they want to practice, uh, I say new age, because the way my parents raised me was completely different, but um, very, do you want to practice that positive parenting where you don't do discipline, quote unquote, but you use other techniques to kind of get your child to understand and still correct behavior without, quote unquote, using formal discipline, right? So just mm-hmm. what kind of parent do you want to be? And if you are clear on your why, and why it's important to you. For example, if room sharing or bed sharing, make it work for you, right? Like you can Mm -hmm. make it work because if this really, really, really important to you, if I give you this plan and it clashes with your lifestyle, then it's not going to be sustainable. So I always kind of ask them, you know, what's your why? Why do you want to do this? How are you going to get support outside of when we're done our 10 days together or whatever? So yeah. Oh, that's so true. You know, going into this topic a little more now, what are some common cultural barriers that you see that can impact the way we look at sleep for our infants and kids? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I actually pulled Mm -hmm. some of my past clients on what they were told, right? So um, one thing was that, oh, the dark room. The dark room, the dark room is, I get a lot of pushback on that because they feel like the dark room is scary. Mm. So then I've got to go to them like, are you afraid of the dark? Is there something actually scary in the dark? And then we've got to dive deeper on that, mm. right? Because some yeah. people have been instilled from a young age that the dark is scary. Other things like, why would you pay for this? Why can't you just rock them like you've done for generations? Oh, we would never let you cry. You just slept when you were tired. Those yeah. are all things that we hear um, or my clients hear from their own families. Even to this day, Dr. Mona, when my dad shows up at my house at like 738 and he's like, oh, the kids are in bed already. It's like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, it's just things like that. Um, I always kind of ask them, you know, if you feel like the crying is going to be hard, okay, let's think about this. What are your beliefs around crying? Mm -hmm. Yep. Is it letting them just cry out? 
Or is it giving them an opportunity yes. to shoot themselves, right? So that is an important question. Like, what do you think? Just give me your straight up because if they can be honest with me, then I can kind of help them through that. Like, I'll tell you a quick little story. I had um, a mom I was working with. And when I asked her that, she's like, you know what? Flash back to me. And I was like, what? And she's like, I had a memory. I was a teenager, mind you. But, you know, I got into a fight with my parents and I ran into my closet and I hid and I cried alone and no one came for me. Mm -hmm. So bringing that up to now sleep training, you know, her son's in a dark room. He's going to be crying. You know, all that stuff, you know, it affects how you parent. So that's something that she had to work through and heal almost before she could sleep train. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Becoming a new mom does not come with a manual, but I'm trying to get as close to it as possible. Are you expecting a baby or know somebody who is? Make sure to grab my first year course, The New Mom Survival Guide. The on-demand course contains modules covering parenting in the first year, newborn feeding like breast and formula feeding, newborn sleep and infant sleep, introduction of solids, safety, baby care how-tos, developmental milestones, teething, and so much more. With videos and printables, you will feel supported through the first year. The course also has a roadmap that takes you through what to expect visit by visit so you can feel more confident and calm in the choices that you make and the stages that you'll go through during your baby's first year. By purchasing, you also get access to our Facebook community to troubleshoot issues or concerns. It also makes a great gift that can support a new mom through her motherhood journey. Check out the New Mom Survival Guide by visiting pedsdoctalk.com and searching our popular courses. 
Oh, this is all such good stuff. I mean, I don't even know where to begin in terms of unpacking this, but you mentioned with your dad coming over and, you know, the kids being in bed early. So how do we navigate cultural or family traditions and sleep schedules? So for example, like staying up late for a special occasion, I'm sure obviously we all want to do that. What would be your advice to families? Yeah, so some cultures have evening rituals. For example, you know, Diwali's coming up and the fun really begins in the evening and perhaps past a baby's normal bedtime. So can we plan for this? Can we just think about our child's sleep where we could possibly allow for like a later nap or slightly later bedtime? You know, one time I saw a post actually on Instagram in a church in the States, actually, they created like a nap time room and they had like five slumber pods lined up so that parents could still attend the service even though it was usually through um, a child's nap time. So if we can just have uh, a conversation or think about it, I think that way you're still able to really support your child and not feel like, like, oh my God, like I'm not providing the basic need of sleep, but I've got this Diwali party to go to, right? You're not, you don't yeah. have to do porn, um, especially when you can just do it for one night. You know, it's not going to undo all the hard work or make that big of a difference or something like that. Um, just plan for it. No, this is so important. I think it is really important to balance schedules with those one-offs that are going to happen or two-offs. You know, it's okay to kind of break the rules and prepare for it too. Um, and every family is going to do things a little bit differently. Like some families will just break the schedule and deal with it later. Other families will want to prepare for it a little bit more. So finding out what works best for you and your family, but being allowed and okay to enjoy these events if it's something that you want to do is totally okay. And sometimes you just need that guidance, like Diana says. Absolutely. I'm happy you're discussing the cry angle because that is something that I see in so many different families. Um, And again, it's not even just certain cultures. It's a lot of people have been instilled that crying is always bad. Mm -hmm. Crying is bad. And again, there's so many different methods to teach children how to sleep. But when we talk about crying, that opportunity comment is so right on. Like, you know, we're talking about just taking a moment to see what they do. Sometimes that means that they're going to see some crying and then they go to sleep and it's not neglect. It's not abandonment. It's just, let's give them an opportunity. And if they need us, we're going to go in, we're going to do our method that we normally do, whether that's, you know, padding, whatever method that the Mm -hmm. family decides on. But that initial, oh, that initial like, oh, well, you know, the crying in its own entity is, is bad. It's a problem across all of parenting, not just sleep, right? I mean, we look at sleep as it, but when a child is learning a developmental skill and they cry, okay, they don't like it. Well, of course they don't love it, but it doesn't mean it's harmful. Like, I think we need to really disassociate crying to mean something is wrong versus crying can just mean this is something new for me. And I think that's where sleep training and crying, um, whether it's for a couple minutes or longer, needs to be differentiated because it's not like something's wrong or bad. It's like, no, we're just giving a child an opportunity to get used to this new situation, but it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. And I use the example of like a kid who hates tummy time. Of Mm -hmm. course, they're not going to love it the first time they ever do it, the 10th time they ever do it, because it's like new. A child who goes swimming for the first time or the first 10 times, it's like new for them. They're like, wait, this is a new skill and a new thing that I have to learn. I don't know how I feel about it, but it's not dangerous. It's not bad. Um, And I think that's, oh, that's such a good cultural thing that we need to shift. Now, how do you approach that situation more so with parents? Like, how do you, um, you know, help them kind of understand and reframe that? Like with what you did with that client, with the fact that she was in a dark room when she was younger and it kind of triggered some memories. How do you reframe this in terms of a sleep situation? 
we have to talk about it. We have to get to the root. I try to like give examples exactly what you gave. I'm like, mm-hmm. look, um, I have a five-year-old. The first day I dropped him to karate, he cried his eyes off. Now yeah. he loves it, right? Yeah. Um, it's a first. And going back to that opportunity piece, not only are you giving a child an opportunity, but the parents need the opportunity to learn what that cry means. Because mm-hmm. right now, when a parent is so sleep deprived and they're so tired, they can't really emotionally regulate either. Yeah. So we do talk about, okay, what is your strategy? What are you going to do to calm yourself down? Right? You're going to take water with you. Do you have like little meditation bees? Like, what do you do as an adult to calm yourself down? Because I need you to use that skill and be able to self regulate in that moment so you can stay calm for your child so that they can self regulate. Right? So, yeah. Um, sometimes they truthfully tell me, I don't know how I calm myself down. I'm like, let's talk. So it's more than just about the child at this point. It's really about the parents. Oh, absolutely. And this is like something with all of parenting, right? Like I always, whenever I have these situations in my office, I always remind the parent that we are, of course, we're going to help the child, but it's really just reframing all of the things that we think should be the case or that maybe our reservations or insecurities are there that really prohibit us from seeing and understanding child development and, you know, what are our options here, you know? And I think parents really need to know their options and understand that what they're doing is not bad, what they're doing is not going to harm their child. And I think that's where a lot of your role in education comes in so beautifully. My job is to help the parents help their child. Mm -hmm. Like, So I'm totally focused on the parents. Like the baby is their responsibility. They know what the cries mean. Sometimes I get them to send me videos if they're unsure because, you know, they don't have the experience, that kind of stuff. But um, it's totally work on the parents so that they can support their own child during this new skill that they're learning. That's all. Yeah. And so I'm sure this has happened for you and I would love to kind of know what you did and maybe how you guide clients too. So you have a father who, you know, has his own views and maybe your mother or whoever comes into your home. And just say you have a choice on how you approach sleep with your child. How do you communicate cross-culturally, cross-generational, your choices with your parents um, if they disagree? And also, how do you, do you ever find yourself having to guide the parents, um, you know, your clients on how to navigate that? I always say, let's have a family meeting because mm-hmm. this is the first time you guys are going to actually really advocate for your own self to parent, especially when they're living with a joint family. So uh, living with a joint family, everyone needs to understand that this is what's going to happen and this is what it can sound like. I feel like once parents are prepared and they have certain words or verbiage to use and like this is what we need, we feel this is best, like using the I statements, communicating very clearly as to why. The last thing you want to do is throw science at somebody, be like, well, the research shows like that's not what I'm going to do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You definitely want to have that family meeting and understand what's going to happen. How long is it going to take? Give people like facts. I usually try to do worst case scenarios. Mm -hmm. So at least that way people can mentally prepare. And then it's so much better, so much better than what they expected. 
Yeah, then being like blindsided and being like, well, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And it's so true, though. Like, and also, like, sometimes I find like just saying, you know, I know this can be hard. Like, just say a family's doing um, like a cry method. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that culturally is like, what are you doing? Um, just saying, hey, look, like, I know this can be really hard to hear. We have a plan. Like, if, you know, there is crying for X amount of time, we will be checking in and you can come in with me. Like, having them like notice what happens. And then many times the baby will go to sleep and they'll be like, oh, and then they, the baby will wakes up and you're like, Oh, it's like nothing ever happened. Um, because it's fine for that baby. Uh, but it's definitely important to kind of guide them and show them so that they're not feeling like, I agree with you that, Oh, this research shows, and this is what I'm doing and yelling. And I get it. And that first thing that you mentioned, like checking in with your kind of why and your insecurities, like when you're a parent or an in-law or something is going to say something, you're going to be way more triggered than if it's someone who's your friend, because you have baggage, Like you have a whole childhood that maybe you were, you know, told to do things a certain way. And so when someone says, why are you doing that? Even if it's someone who, you know, you have a friend said the same exact thing. If it's coming from a parent of yours, you may be a little more like upset about it because you have all this baggage that has come from your childhood that we don't even realize sometimes, you know, like those unmet needs that were like, you know, you told me what to do all the time. And now you don't believe in me as a parent that you think what I'm doing is wrong. It's really important to recognize that. Yeah. hundred percent. Oh, this is so great. Now, what would be a final message for everyone listening today? Um, I think I wanted to say that, look, um, we all come from different backgrounds. We've all had different experiences, but this is something I still tell my dad to the day (laughs) is that, you know, our ancestors survived where we came from, where my family came from. It was just survival mode. Um, so they survived so that, you know, we could thrive Mm -hmm. and that's so our children can strive. We have to do things differently. If I kept doing things the same way, we would get nowhere. It's actually necessary to grow as a person so that way you can propel your child in a different direction. Higher yeah. Oh, I love that. And again, I just love your content. I love um, how you approach the whole family in the sleep choices because, oh my gosh, that is so clutch, right? We cannot do this alone. And like you said, you consult with a lot of families who may be in joint households, which is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, where can people find you for more information? You know, Instagram website, um, yeah. any of your resources? Yeah. So as you mentioned at the beginning that uh, you can find me on Instagram, it's we sleep W E E S L E E P underscore Diana. Uh, I do offer free complimentary calls to make sure that, you know, we're a good fit if we decide to work together. I think that's really important. I really have um, strong connections with my clients and even my past clients. We're still friends to these days. Um, I also have a free sleep training Facebook group. So it's um, also found in the link my Instagram bio. Perfect. I do a live Q&A every month just to kind of take some questions, obviously packages and to book the call. Everything is basically on my Instagram link. So you'll be able to find everything uh, regards to me there. Yeah. Wonderful. And yes, definitely give her a follow for some great content and mom life. And it's just so great again to talk to you. Um, And thanks for joining. And I'm sure I'll have you on again for another topic because we had to choose one topic today. And this was what we both were like, oh yeah, this is a great discussion, but I'm sure I'll have you on again in the future. I'd love that so much. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review, 
share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.